on today's show. In Milwaukee, Adrian Griffin out, Doc Rivers in. Why the need for a coaching shakeup this late into the season? Then in Philadelphia with the 76ers, Joel Embiid injured. No timetable yet for his return to play. There's optimism that he can make it back. Can the Sixers, how can the Sixers stay afloat with Joel Embiid out? And lastly, LeBron James, Lakers, trade rumors? What is going on? It's all coming up right here at Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube, whether you're on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer and making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Joining us now is Camille Davis, the host of Locked On Bucks. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Bucks. And Camille, Adrian Griffin out, Doc Rivers in. They're wasting no time. We might get into some of the hilarity of Doc Rivers being anointed the coach of the uh, Eastern Conference All-Star team if we have time. But let's start right there. Why did the Bucks feel the need to move on from Adrian Griffin, despite having one of the best records in the NBA so far this season? There's a few reasons for that, Jackson. And it's it's interesting to think about because, like you mentioned, when Adrian Griffin was fired, the Bucks were second in the East. They were 30 and 13, if I remember correctly, at that time. So it was seen as a surprise. The joke was maybe they didn't beat the Pistons by enough. And that's why um, Adrian Griffin had to go. But hey, man, point, point differential, right? It matters in today's NBA. Listen, listen. <laughs> People point to it, but um, no, jokes aside, it, it just comes down to the fact that although the Bucks were able to win games, uh, the process wasn't leading to the proper results. So the Bucks were taking a look at things and saying like, hey, we're getting wins and that's good. We know this team is figuring things out. We are well aware of the fact that it's a new head coach. It's a new star point guard on the team. There's new pieces that have to be implemented and get used to playing with each other understand all of that and we see this team winning games but the way they're winning games management just didn't seem like the ways that they were winning the games felt sustainable halfway through the season guys were still unsure about what they were running why they were running it they weren't sure what their identity was and there were just a lot of questions about who this team was and they felt like this is not going to get it done uh, for a team with championship expectations and the Bucks have a sense of urgency really bad as you can tell now they're paying three head coaches so like they are really trying their hardest to win a championship and they just didn't feel that adrian griffin had the tools to take them where they needed to be um in this situation do, do you feel that, that griffin ever had the chance to establish or maybe he never did establish an identity with this this bucks team yeah, it's hard because it, when he started out it seemed like he was trying to run defenses and schemes that suited the toronto teams that he was a part of the last few years before getting to milwaukee but the problem between with that is that the bucks don't have the raptors personnel yeah. so it just wasn't working out like adrian griffin was trying to do a lot of aggressive schemes with this team to force more turnovers and the bucks were still last in the league and turnovers there were guys you heard Giannis after a game uh, where he was like what do we do like we give up everything like we can't give up everything we have to have more pride we have to be better and you can see the earlier returns with doc although 
on this current West Coast trip. Uh, we're four games in. They won one game so far under Doc Rivers. But you're seeing the process looks a lot more sound. Guys seem to know where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing, um, which is a little bit different, although the wins aren't translating right now in this moment. Yeah, just a, a one and three start so far in the Doc Rivers era of Milwaukee Bucks basketball. So let's get into that a little bit. Why, why just the one and three record right out of the gate? And then what are some of the things that you're seeing Doc kind of trying to change on the fly? Because that's the other unfortunate element here is, you know, yes, maybe maybe moving on from Griffin was the right decision. But to have to do that in the middle of the season to go from a group of guys that was already trying to understand and implement what one head coach wanted and even maybe breaking some habits and tendencies from the Budenholzer era right so you're you're trying to adjust there and now you've got a whole new head coach coming in with a whole new identity and you know idea of how he wants to run things philosophy all that so kind of what are some of the things that doc is trying to implement and change right here right out of the gate well, he's just trying to clean a lot of things up because, as you mentioned, becoming a head coach in the middle of a season, that's difficult to do. You don't have the luxury of having a training camp. You don't have the luxury of having weeks before the season starts to install what you want to run. So Doc is coming in, and initially he was like, we're just going to try to clean up some things. I need to understand the terminology that you guys are using and try to map that onto my terminology for some of the same plays that I run, get an understanding of who's on this team and how these guys play. Um, Adrian Griffin was somebody who was, you know, known to be a player development type of coach. And under Adrian Griffin, we saw a lot of the young bucks get some more run. Your Andre Jackson Juniors, uh, Marjan at the beginning of the season, some AJ Green sprinkled in there. Um, and once Doc came in, he pretty much has rolled with the vets. AJ Green has gotten some run over the last two games, including tonight against Utah. But what you see Doc doing is trying to one fix the Bucks in transition defense where they had been terrible. And the biggest part, honestly, with what Doc is implementing is just getting this team to talk um, on defense. That's been a big point of emphasis for him where when he had his first practice with the team, uh, the practice was one as such where the coaches couldn't speak and the players had to speak the entire practice all the way through. And at first he said the players were kind of confused, like, what should we do? And to their own admission, they've been a low communication team. So they were forced in that situation to start communicating. And Doc said it might take them a while to get into that habit, into that rhythm, but they got to do that. And offensively, just sharing the ball a little bit more. He was like, it's a lot of individual talent on this team. And a lot of times you can tell when the ball is sticking and when guys are just trying to make a play on themselves. So he's trying to also get them to move the ball a little bit more and implement more of a two-man game between Giannis and Dame as like the, the crucial cornerstone piece of the offense. Where's the one area, you know, if you could if you could just slide the scale up to 99 for Doc Rivers to find success with this Bucks team compared to his predecessor in Adrian Griffin, what would that one area be? I think it would have to be defense. And I still do think that the Bucks need to make a move at the deadline to acquire some defensive uh, help and on the point of attack defense in particular. Uh, but defensively, I've said for a while, we know the Bucks can score, and they had been a top-two offense under Griffin. And I was saying, like, you look at the Nuggets from last year, where it's like it's an elite offense, top-15 defense, but to the Nuggets' credit, to end the season last year, they were a top-10 top defense, you know, to end the season out. So I was saying, like, if the Bucks can be elite offensively and just average at worst on defense, they still have a lot of opportunity to make a strong playoff run, playoff push, and challenge for a championship. So if Doc can just come in, help them clean up that transition defense, help them out with the rebounding, help them out with the switches when they have to get into scramble mode with guys communicating and getting into their spots better, 
they'll look a lot, a lot better than what we have seen early on with the early returns under Griffin. You mentioned the need to add maybe, you know, another point of attack defender. That was going to be my, my final question for you is just what is the Bucks' biggest need going into the trade deadline and how aggressive could we see them, you know, be in these these next coming days? So do you, is there, are there a couple names out there that you should have your eyes on if you're a Bucks fan, somebody that you would hope this team is going to maybe target uh, ahead of the deadline? Yeah, there's a couple of names that have been floating around with the Bucks team. One of the names that I was most personally uh, excited about was Matisse Thibault in uh, Portland. But given the fact that he played with Doc in Philly and things didn't go well there, and Thibault has the ability to veto a trade because he signed the restricted free agent tenor uh, this past season, I don't see that one coming into fruition anymore. But some other names that have been thrown out there, Chris Dunn, um, someone who the Bucks just saw tonight against the Jazz, his name has been thrown out. Bruce Brown's name has been thrown out. DeJounte Murray is another name that the Bucks have been uh, rumored to be interested in. But personally, that one is is kind of an interesting fit for me. I'm not sure how happy DeJounte would be uh, with the pecking order here, coming in with Dame, with Giannis, with Chris, um, and how that would all fit. But give the opportunity to add somebody like that, like, I get why you do it. You figure out the rest um, afterwards. How will the rest of the season look with Doc Rivers now in the coaching chair in Milwaukee? Will we see the Bucks be aggressive ahead of the NBA trade deadline? Could they add a point of attack defender or maybe some other pieces to this roster? You're going to have us cover for all of that and so much more over at Locked on Bucks. Camille, thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Philadelphia 76ers star Joel Embiid injured. No timetable yet for his return, although there's optimism he can make it back before the end of the season. How can the 76ers stay afloat without Joel Embiid, and how aggressive will they be at the NBA trade deadline? That's coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased when it comes to your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking the same thing this week, and here it is. Honestly, when you don't have a dog in the race, sometimes I think I enjoy Super Bowl commercials more than the actual game itself. Depending on how good the commercials are, I feel like they've missed the mark in recent years, but 
I have high hopes for this upcoming Super Bowl Sunday. But with that, look, on a serious note, therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports teams, and it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, some exciting news is Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Sixers, Keith Pompey, who you can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Sixers. Now, Keith, Joel Embiid with the left meniscus injury reportedly set to undergo surgery to fix that. It expected for him to miss a, you know, a reasonable amount of time here, a significant amount of time. Some of the wording around this not improbable that he makes a return at some point this season. But just to start right there, is there anything else as far as the latest update on Embiid or just how the Sixers are kind of, you know, navigating this injury to their to their MVP candidate? Well, really, I mean, I guess that's the latest. The, the, the thing is, what they're going to do is that they won't know definitively when he returns until after the surgery. They'll figure out what, you know, what happens and then they'll have a better timeline. But, you know, I, I think that the hope is that he'll be back, hopefully for the playoffs. You know what I mean? Because then they got to ramp him up. They got to get him back in shape and everything like that. But right now, I mean, everything has been trending towards this, right? Him getting his surgery. Um, but at the same time, I, I just feel like, you know, it's one of those things where they just wanted to make sure that everything was right and everything had the ducks in the row, if that makes sense. You know, we, we'd we seen, you know, Embiid, he'd missed a couple games. It was a late scratch for that Nuggets game. Then he he plays in this one against the Warriors where he ultimately gets hurt, Kuminga, you know, diving on the loose ball, all that. Was it a mistake for Embiid to, to even be suited up in this game? Or should the Sixers have, have looked to shut him down maybe sooner so they could you know, get him a hundred percent before he was back out there on the court, which is going to, that is going to segue, segue, segue me into my next question, but just let's start right there. Should he have even been playing in the first place? You know, it's one of those things where, you know, Joel said he wanted to play. Um, from what I heard, the medical staff looked at him. He, and, and they, they, they uh, said that he was able to play. The question that the problem that I had with this whole thing was, that when he was out there, you knew that he shouldn't have been out there. There was mm -hmm. one particular play where Joel tried to jump, and instead of jumping, he fell to the to the floor, to the ground, to the court. And at that particular point, I thought it was like, get him out, just shut him down, you know what I mean, and, and, and maybe see what's really wrong with him. So I think that it was cool for him to play, but I felt like there was a particular point where they should have just shut him down and cut him. And they kept playing them, and and now we look at the the injury. So it, it was just bad decision on their part. So, and that, that brings me to this next one because this has been a very controversial thing this season, which is the the sixty five game rule for NBA season awards, right? For all NBA honors, for the MVP, Joel Embiid is playing better basketball than he even was last year, and last year was the best basketball of his career, led him to his first MVP award. 
I, I feel like this 65 game rule is controversial for a variety of reasons. One, because it, it does kind of feel like it's working, right? Like players are, they feel the pressure to want to play in these games, mm-hmm. but is it, is it becoming a negative to where you have a guy like Embiid who knows that he's kind of up against the edge of the games that he could have potentially missed, right? If he misses any more time, then he potentially doesn't get to be in the MVP race. Where do you stand on the 65 game right now? Do you think it's ultimately a good thing or a bad thing for the players? You know, I think it was a great idea when it came out. I really did. I felt like it was one of those things that it was a great idea. But now that I'm looking back at it, and it's not because of just Joel Embiid, um, you know, we, we got to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, these are like two first-team All-NBA performers this season who aren't going to be on the list, right? Because they're not even going to be third-team All-NBA. So when you look at that, I think that there's going to be a lot of asterisks. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to get bonuses. They're going to get a lot of things who don't deserve it. And there's going to be other guys who deserve it who won't get it. So I feel like it's going to be a problem. And again, I understand what the league was trying to do, but you know, you got Joel Embiid who was putting up numbers that we haven't seen since Wilt Chamberlain. And then you got another guy who was the young face of the NBA, you know, with the end season tournament. And now all of a sudden, neither one of them are going to be all NBA. So I, I kind of feel like I get it, but but I just feel like they got to change this. I really do. I think they have to. Feels like their hearts were in the right place when they came up with the rule, mm-hmm. but maybe it just it needs some tweaking. It needs a, a revisit this offseason. Maybe they can find a way to, you know, whether you have some extenuating circumstances or something, but something probably has to be done there. And look, Keith, you're around Embiid all the time, right? You've covered this guy for years. Do you feel like that was maybe some of the, the push, the drive there to play in that game against the Warriors because he knew that he was getting close to running out of runway for the 65 games? Yeah, now he, he'll he say it wasn't, right? But yeah. I, I think it was. I, I think it was 50-50. I think in the 50-50 meaning, like, I feel like, you know, people questioned his heart. They questioned his desire, right, after the Denver thing. Um, and, and then so I think that had something to do with it. But also, yeah, he's looking at it like, I have to play in these games. And, and, but then part of it is I think that he's, and the reason why he stayed in too was because he wanted to get up some points. Like, you know, he's the scoring leader. He's, he's, he was, he had a string of 30 point games going on. So I think all that factored in. But yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. I got to play. I, I need to play in order for me to become this MVP, even though he's saying it wasn't important to him but it's important to just about any player who's in the running for it. They all want to do it. They all say they don't. So while we don't know the exact timetable on Embiid's potential return because the surgery is yet to happen and we won't know more until that does happen, uh, what's next for this 76ers team? Obviously, there's a hope that Embiid could maybe make it back near the end of the season or postseason if surgery goes well, but this is a team that's they're 4-10 without Embiid in the lineup. They're 26-8 and when he does play. Uh, what? How, how can this team stay afloat without Joel Embiid for the, the back half of this season if he is able to potentially return at some point? What what needs to change? I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I mean, we talk about what needs to change. I mean, I, I feel like it. Like we're, we're going to have to, like other guys are going to have to step up. Like we know that, you know, Kelly Oubre can get buckets. We know that Tobias Harris can be a pretty good scorer. But the problem is on the defensive end, 
right? You know, they don't have anybody who can anchor their defense like Joel does on the defensive end. So I feel like, and, and I do like Paul Reed, I like Mo Bamba, but I also feel like they need some help at the center position, you know, until Joel comes back. Um, because I, I don't know, like they lose a lot. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was averaging 35 points a game, you know, a guy who was averaging, you know, 11 boards a game. You know, these are things that the Sixers, like, they they need a dominant inside force in order for them to help them. But, you know, I, I just don't see it, man. I, I don't. And, and you know, people laugh and they joke, but this is the things that James Harden provided for you. Like last year when they had James Harden, when Joel Embiid was out, they were very successful because they ran their offense through James. Now, you know, you got to figure out if Tyrese Maxey can get it done. Like he's a all-star guard, but James was proven in these type of situations. So you need a lot more from Tyrese. And, but I also think you need a, a, a center who can be a rim protector, who can anchor that defense. Do, do you think there's a world where the Sixers, I'm sure they've, you know, they've been blowing up the phone lines, trying to figure out somebody out there, you know, a replacement type big to maybe fill that void that Joel Embiid is going to leave. Do you see them maybe making what would you'd consider maybe like a Band-Aid trade, you know, a bigger trade than maybe they would have wanted to make ahead of the deadline to kind of fill that void? And is there a name out there or a couple names maybe that you might have your eyes on if you're if you're a Sixers fan? Well, if Joel Embiid is going, is going to come back, if, if he's going to come back, um, and for the playoffs, the, the player that I think that they need to go after would be Andre Drummond. Now, I don't know if if, if if Chicago's willing to give him up, but the thing is, he's a guy who was here before. Um, he was, was a guy who the players love and everything like that, but they need a rebounder. They need somebody that's going to have a presence. Now, the thing is, in the playoffs, you know, Drummond's not really, quote unquote, a, a quality playoff player, they say, but he can get you through the regular season. I feel like he's an innings so eater. He, he'll 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 eat up the minutes during the regular he, season. He, yeah, he'll he'll definitely eat the minutes for you. <laughs> eat them all up for you. But 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 at the same time, I, I just feel like that he's a guy that can come in and do a lot of the things that they need. Like they're getting killed on the boards. He's he's a, an elite rebounder, right? One of the best ones in the league. Um, and then one of those things where. When Joel Embiid comes back in the postseason, you can have him get some of these quality minutes, right, coming off the bench. But the thing is, the question mark is, are the Sixers going to have enough to get uh, to get him? Because right now he is of a need. And if that's if that's the case, I know Chicago is going to try to ask for a whole lot to get this guy. I mean, to give this guy up. Will Joel Embiid be able to make a return this season, hopefully in time for the playoffs? And can we see or will we see the Sixers make a push for a replacement level big man, possibly an Andre Drummond type? You're going to have us cover for all of that and so much more over at Locked On Sixers. Keith, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thanks for having me. Coming up, LeBron James, Lakers trade rumors. What? How serious should we take these discussions? And if not serious, then what can the Lakers manage to do ahead of the NBA trade deadline to get back into the title contention conversation? We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. 
Happy Super Bowl Sunday to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports group. Because, hey, if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about gathering with friends and family, getting a great spot on the couch, grabbing some snacks and some good food, and getting ready to settle in for some amazing football or like I said earlier, sometimes it's just the commercials for me. It's the commercials are pretty solid. Look, FanDuel has so many different ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three, depending on how lucky you get. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, so many different specials, different combinations that you can pick across players, across teams, all of that, and so much more. New customers, this is the exciting part, new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, that's 200 bucks in bonus bets as long as your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we have you covered for all of the NBA trade deadline buzz, reporting, rumors right here at Locked On NBA with our rotating panel of hosts, including Matt Moore and David Ramil on Tuesdays, John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays, Nick Angstat and Pat the Designer on Thursdays, and Adam Mares and Wes Goldberg on Fridays. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Lakers, Brian Kamenetsky. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Lakers. And Brian, it wouldn't be a trade deadline if there weren't a million and one different Lakers rumors heading into the NBA trade deadline. Am I right? Yeah, that's just how it goes. I mean, every player, um, even the ones that the Lakers have made abundantly clear that they don't want, like Zach Levine, uh, but pre-injury, are still linked to the Lakers just because that's how this works. There's just no other way around it. Absolutely. And uh, core among these rumors that we have to tackle right here from the jump is we got to figure out what exactly does the future hold? Are these next five days, four days, whatever it is, going to be the last days of LeBron James as a Laker? Because we've got LeBron over here tweeting out hourglass emojis. Is it about him? Is it about the team? You know what? We got that. So some cryptic tweeting going on. We've got Brian Windhorst on his podcast talking about the fact that he doesn't know if LeBron will be in, in a Lakers Jersey next season. And here's the big one. We have uh, this gentleman, David Pingalore on, on Twitter, on X, who shared a tweet basically saying that he thinks that LeBron James is at the, t- is at the top of the Lakers list to be traded and that that's then that Rob Polinka is looking for the right team, the right, the right dance partner, if you will. Now this man, David Pingler, he's been linked to some reporting from Le- for in the past with LeBron James and he's nailed some things in the past. So this isn't just some rando guy coming out of the woodwork with some, you know, clickbaity LeBron James tweet. So let's start right there, Brian. Are we at the end potentially of LeBron James's tenure as a member of the LA Lakers? No, no. Okay. <laughs> we are not. Okay. Uh, I mean, anything should, is should theoretical. No, I mean, okay. I, I think the Lakers have a choice to make about LeBron. About LeBron. Um, they have decisions to make long-term about what they want for this team and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it is, I guess it is, it is possible. And, you know, had they been blown out in Boston and blown out in New York and like the, the things were looking really awful. Um, as they did going into the weekend, if they, they look that bad coming out, then maybe, okay, you, you start to entertain it or LeBron's team leans on it. Rich Paul said, you know, LeBron is not asking for it. 
Um, and if LeBron doesn't ask for a trade, I'd be shocked at the Lakers. Yeah, I just I also don't know what is the market? The market for LeBron James doesn't come together in a week. Who's trading for LeBron? Is it back to Miami? If it's back to Miami, what are they going to give? Like, you know, there's just I, I don't think LeBron is necessarily like he was asked before the Knicks game. What is, you know, are you, are you, do you know what you're going to do with your option? And he said, no. Um, and I think he would have said that even if the Lakers were 10 games over 500 instead of one game over. But, you know, the, the long term, maybe you can make some choices about that. But there's just the, 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 the practicality and the logistics of trading LeBron are so complicated. Because remember, he's got an option for next year that the other team might not necessarily believe that he's going to pick up or whatever. It's like, I don't even know what the market for him looks like. The idea that, oh, you could get five first rounders for, yeah, I don't really think that's true. You might be able to get that for Anthony Davis, who's under contract and playing MVP caliber basketball, but not for LeBron. So LeBron, I think, barring something totally extraordinary, will be on the Lakers post deadline this week what el- who else is on the team is is an open question but lebron i don't think is part of that you know it's it's so funny because i do think it's it's really tough right the lakers are in this precarious situation but this is the case with all lebron james led teams right he he's coming into you know the the player option on his contract does he stay? Does he go? How all in are you willing to go on a guy who could bolt this offseason if things do go, uh, you know, not according to plan in the back half of this season? But with where the Lakers are standing right now, right, they are, uh, I believe, 20th in the NBA in offense, if I'm not mistaken, 15th in defense, or maybe I have those numbers flipped. No, I do not. I do not have those numbers flipped. 20th in offense, 15th in defense. It doesn't exactly feel like the Lakers are like a move away from suddenly being right back there in contention is the problem. So if you are the Lakers organizationally, what move if or or set of moves could you potentially make to then get back to a place? Cause it feels like this is the pattern every season, right? Where maybe, uh, you know, not performing quite to expectations, then, okay, what do you do? Do you, do you fire the coach? Do you make a major shakeup at the trade deadline, get out the bad pieces, try to bring in the good pieces. And then do you have enough to make a legitimate good postseason run? So as the Lakers stand right now, that's kind of, I think the, the question that they're faced with is, do you maybe explore that option of moving on from LeBron and, and seeing what the market might look like? Or do you go all in on a DeJounte Murray trade and, you know, try to put the right pieces around LeBron and AD to, to win out this season? Well, what makes Murray, for example, interesting is that you are really, I mean, a lot of this is structural. Like if you're trading for Murray, you think he makes you better. Um, There's no question because he gives you a point of attack defender to put next to Austin Reeves, theoretically um, addresses some of your um, defensive issues with that starting backcourt the Lakers have without giving, it changes your offense, but you don't necessarily give away a ton of offense, you know, Murray is a better attacker downhill, um, you know, going, you know, past defenders and stuff like that. But D'Angelo Russell is a better outside shooter, much better track record with as, as an outside shooter and is a better pure point guard. But there, even if you think Murray's defense isn't what it was in, in San Antonio, there is no planet on which he is not a better defender than D'Angelo Russell. So, you know, you can start to improve him that way. But the, the biggest difference I think between Russell and, and, uh, Murray is Murray's contract actually keeps him in LA. Whereas Russell, if he declines his player option might end up somewhere else. And even, and if he declines that option, I'm not sure the Lakers given this sort of constant churn around him necessarily want to bring him back. 
The real wild card here is Jared Vanderbilt could be out. He's going to be out for a minimum of weeks and could miss the rest of the season. And this blows a huge hole in, in the Lakers rotation because Vanderbilt is their best defender, their best point of attack defender. And you can't upgrade you can't uh, fill the Vanderbilt hole and solve the, you know, the the backcourt problem at the same time. The Lakers just don't have enough stuff. They have Gabe Vincent, who is injured and a bit of an unknown quantity and only makes $11 million. You have Rui Hachimura, whose value I think is questionable around the league. You have the Russell contract and you can only trade one first rounder. And now the Lakers too have the issue too, where they can't even trade multiple. It's be hard for them to trade multiple, multiple players out without getting multiple players back because they don't have a guy like Vanderbilt. Cam Reddish is out. Gabe Vincent is out. So they're in a really tough spot is the, uh, summary to a very long answer to a question i mean and and look i don't i don't envy the spot that rob palenka and the lakers are in it's it's a very precarious dance that you have to do right but between you know do you do you mortgage what remaining assets you do have to try for one more one more push this season can you find the right fit maybe it's not Dejounte murray murray maybe it's a couple smaller moves at the margins here and there at the, at this point does Dejounte, does Dejounte murray look like the best possible bet for this lakers team to get back to a place where they feel confident in a postseason run, maybe not a finals run, but just a postseason run with LeBron and AD. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I mean, I, I think they showed th- this team has showed all season long uh, that they, as LeBron said, um, they are capable of beating any team in the league on any given night. Yeah, I realized no Julius Randle, no OG, uh, none of B on Saturday, but the Lakers came in and won that game. Um, the Knicks had won nine straight. It's not like they were a, a team without confidence. They won on Thursday in Boston without any of without either of their stars. They they have beaten Oklahoma City. They've beaten Phoenix. They've been, they've beaten every team in the league. They've also lost some awful games, and that's why they're twenty six and twenty five. So Murray, I think, I think the I think they pull the trigger on a Murray deal if they like the long term implications of it. I think it's. Probably seen as an upgrade for this season, but more structurally, does it help them going into the offseason and into next season with what they they know they'll have? Um, other than that, it's like, do you give up a lot of stuff for Dorian Finney-Smith? Uh, could you maybe swing a couple second rounders for like Tyus Jones to make your offense and your backcourt give you a few more options? Or, you know, could you do something with... Royce O'Neal, which doesn't, it's not going to push you over the edge, but it makes you a little bit better without changing what you can do this offseason because the Lakers really can make a swing now or they can make a swing in the offseason when they have three picks that they can trade right now they can only trade one Um, I think in the end given how high some of these asking prices seem to be around the league when you look at the reporting unless those asking prices come down I think the Lakers will make tweaks more than they will make big transformative moves well, we also know that every NBA front office likes to leak that, oh, yeah, this uh, distress asset that we have is worth, you know, 17 first round draft picks. And we're not going to budge. We're going to dig our heels in. We want all those firsts for this. Yeah, for I this mean, like even Dorian, two, two firsts, <laughs> two firsts for Dorian Finney-Smith seems like an incredible asking price until you look around and you see on the market who is available. And the answer is no one. I mean, there's really nobody on the market, it's you know Dejounte Murray, it's Dorian Finney-Smith, it's maybe Alex Caruso. If you have a ton of but the Lakers, I can't imagine have enough stuff to get Caruso, who I'm sure they would rather have over Murray. 
Um, but like Chicago, Lord knows what they're doing in Chicago, but one pick Julius Randle and Jalen, you know, Hood Shafino is not going to be enough to get, uh, you know, Caruso away from uh, Chicago. There's no prayer. All right. We've covered LeBron and you are firmly in the camp. He's not going anywhere. Lakers aren't making that move. Any number of other Lakers could be on the move ahead of this deadline. If the right package is available, maybe DeJounte Murray becomes a Laker. Maybe he doesn't last guy here for you, Brian, that we got to talk about. Is it, are we past the point where moving on from Darvin hand makes sense? What's the, actually, what's the, what was the record on, Uh on, uh, uh, when when oh my goodness when Nate McMillan got the got the outs in uh yeah. in Atlanta and Quinn Snyder got brought in I think that was the latest we'd ever seen a head coach fired in NBA history quite possibly late into the season so I mean are we we're kind of approaching that territory now at this point with Darvin Ham so does he stay does he go is there an improvement that could be made in the head coaching department you know, aside from just the roster improvements that need yeah. to be made ahead of the dead. Well, the, the short dead. answer is yes, they could make an improvement. There is, I am been very disappointed in Hamp because I thought he did a nice job last year under very difficult circumstances. And when given a better roster, did better things. This year has been, it's not been an easy hand. Um, it's, it's I, I kind of put it this way. Like Darwin is taking like, graduate level classes and he's just failing them. Like it's not what he's been asked to do is not easy, but he has not performed well in that task. Um, And I don't think that the locker room has a ton of faith in him. I do think that they have probably come to a conclusion that the bus family is not going to let him go short of LeBron and Anthony Davis going into Jeannie's office and saying, this guy's got to go. He's got the any the the replacement would be internal um now with you know especially with doc who would you know doc would have been the the prime candidate for something like that but he's obviously already in milwaukee it would probably be chris gent or phil handy on an interim basis coming from that staff they would play better because that's what always happens when you fire a coach is you get you know some kind of bounce whether it's a real bounce or a dead cat bounce um would remain to be seen um, I do not think they're going to do it. I think they probably should have. Um, and I hate calling for people's jobs. And I generally am deferential to coaches because what they're doing is very hard. He's just not done a very good job. And I don't think the uh, the 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 important people in that room have a ton of faith in him. That said, if they they have had opportunities to make it abundantly clear that they are over him and they are not going to play for him and they haven't done it. You know, they played hard in Boston. They played hard in in, uh, in um, New York over the weekend. Like, they've had opportunities to get Darvin fired, and they haven't done it. What moves, if any, will the Lakers make ahead of the NBA trade deadline? Is Darvin Ham going to be the head coach for the rest of the season, or could we see yet another late head coaching swap in this one for the Lakers? You're going to have us covered for all that and so much more over at Locked On Lakers. Brian, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Today. Also on YouTube, our new 24-7 streaming channel, the first of its kind, streaming national sports 24-7 every single day. Go drop a subscription there. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward 
for having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.